Hi, I'm Adam Walker, the host of Real Pink, a podcast from Susan G. Komen. Over the last year, I've had the opportunity to meet so many people affected by breast cancer. I've interviewed thought leaders, celebrities, doctors, and men and women living with breast cancer. Their stories are so inspiring and really informative. We're taking conversations from the doctor's office to the living room. Please join us by looking up Susan G. Komen's Real Pink on your podcast app and subscribe today. It's the best time of the week as we wrap up another week of shows here of Unscripted as Chris and I have getting back from jet lagging all over North America. We are back here and uh, the funnest way ever to end our week of shows is what we like to call Freeform Friday. Chris goes on to our Twitter page at unscriptedmc.com and um, he finds things that people are talking about. He goes through there, what he finds, what he wants to talk about. He brings it up. We banter about, and we go on to the next topic. And again, a great way to end the week. Sometimes from the wonderful and wacky world of sports, sometimes not. That's why it makes it so unique and so fun and a great, easy way to end up a week of shows of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having set up, having said all that, I should say, again, these new lips are really working well after a two-week holiday. Um, I hand the mic over to the boss, the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Fluke. Thanks, Mike. Pat Sajak at Pat Sajak. The only time you see the word hip associated with me is if it's followed by the word replacement. <laughs> you know, we had uh, the one, the episode that was titled uh, Drinking Your Own Bathwater. And uh, we had made mention about Pat Sajak in there about how we both think of a class act that he is and how you were so impressed with how proper he is with his Twitter account and, and how he can put a full cognitive sentence together and put the punctuation in the right spots and everything else. I will say what I said that day about Pat Sajak. Uh, maybe he's losing his hip, but I can tell you this. I don't think you last 30 plus years in the entertainment business without being a pretty damn nice guy. Because if you're a schmuck, They'll get rid of you as fast as yesterday's news. So for him and Vanna White, and again, I put Alex Trebek in this in this uh, category as well, the guy that has been the host of, of uh, Jeopardy for years and now going through a real medical battle with cancer, and our thoughts and prayers are still with Mr. Trebek. But I have nothing bad to say about Pat Sajak. In fact, you know, he tried to do a late-night comedy thing years ago, and he was off of Wheel of Fortune for one year, and they replaced him with the former... Um, San Diego Chargers kicker Ralph Banershka years ago. It didn't work, and people told me that Wheel of Fortune was close to getting canceled. But then when Pat Sajak's late night show on CBS, this was before David Letterman, when his show went under, they brought him back to to um, uh, Wheel of Fortune, and it has been a success ever since. And that show will continue to thrive until Pat and Vanna decide enough's enough. Yeah, amazing they're still there. It's just incredible. And they still both look really good. Okay, Matthew Moreno at M Moreno 1015. Kobe Bryant made two free throws on a torn Achilles. Clay Thompson made two free throws on a torn ACL. Paul Pierce needed a wheelchair because he had to go to the bathroom. Well, you know how I think about uh, Paul the Truth Pierce. I think he's a joke. Um, you know, and the things that he said. Now, you know, I get, and I've told you folks stories about uh 
Chris, uh, excuse me, David Brody and myself not really always believe in what we say, but it's all about, especially when you have a phone line and you're trying to generate caller participation. I get in some aspects of why Paul the Truth Pierce says some of the preposterous things that he does, but really to believe that you're a a better basketball player than Dwayne Wade, um, you're smoking something and whatever you're smoking, I want some of it. And for you to claim that round or in the second round of the NBA playoffs that Milwaukee was done and Boston was going to sweep them after one game, that's preposterous. I think, you know, you can say some things that are borderline. I say it all the time that are a little bit borderline out there. But my God, don't just say something to say something because that makes you look like a total schmuck. Mm -hmm. I actually liked some responses on Twitter. So Pete Blackburn at Pete Blackburn said, I can't wait to find out Clay Thompson just had to poop in 10 years. <laughs> and then and then Brody Logan at Brody Logan said, nah, Clay doesn't take twos. I thought that was pretty clever. But anyway, uh, Sports Center and Sports Center. This was really, this is some really interesting trivia. It's going to be in a few years anyway. Pat McCaw was the only player tonight to secure a three-peat. So Pat McCaw has now won three rings in a row. He, had to, he was with Toronto this year and Golden State the last two years. So my question for you, actually, is at what point does a guy who basically has no real prominent role on a team but keeps winning titles, how many rings does he have to win to get in to the Hall of Fame? Like, if he wins the most rings ever of anybody, even if he had no uh, real role on any of those teams, he'd still have to make the Hall of Fame. Uh, is three enough? Does he have to win five? Like, he could easily win five or six rings here. I, well, if he, if he keeps catching on, sitting on the right bench, he could win a lot of, but he hasn't done anything on the floor, so we don't even have to worry about that. That's not even a topic of discussion. Patrick McCaw could win nine rings when it's all said and done. Will he see a day in Springfield uh, Basketball Hall of Fame? Hell no. No way. No? no? you got to be a contributing factor, too. I mean, you can't... <laughs> there's a lot of guys... There's a... Um, I was watching, I got to tell you this, I'll tell you this, and this is this just, just to kind of back up what I'm trying to say here. There was a offensive tackle at Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas. His name was Gray Rugamer. He was uh, a very good player, obviously, got a full ride, full athletic scholarship. My dad coached him, that's why I know Gray Rugamer. Gray Rugamer won a full ride to Arizona State, was a third-round draft pick in his draft year, late 90s, with the uh, New England Patriots won a ring there with the Patriots in the early Brady years. Then in, uh, I believe, no, excuse me, later in the years with, but he's got a couple rings. Now he is the player development director for the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio? No. No. Okay. No. Fair enough. All right. Steven Taylor at Steven underscore Taylor. Uh, he posted a link for, uh, from MontrealGazette.com where the headline was, Quebec cannabis stores post a $4.9 million loss after first fiscal year. So he said, only the government could sell pot and lose money. Yeah, I, I don't get that. I, I you know, I, I, it seems to be literally sprucing up everywhere. And the numbers that are coming in, I mean, I drove by the, the pot shop here in Calgary the other day on McLeod Trail. And there's a line outside the door. So I don't know how you can screw that up where you're losing money and you're showing a red figure on your balance sheets for pot right now. I mean, <laughs> if I have said, and you know, I'll say this, Colorado, the state of Colorado, when they legalized cannabis or weed, whatever you want to call it, a couple of years ago, they balanced their budgets with like within four months. <laughs> 
one quarter of a year. They balance their budgets, and now they're thriving and, and, and just doing very well. Their, their budgets in the state of, Cal- of Colorado are going through the roof. They've got more money than they know what to do with. What do you think that's coming from? The tourist industry in Colorado? Hell no. It's from the pot industry. And for somebody to show a negative variance, there's something going on. They're doing something wrong in Montreal if they can't make money selling weed. Yeah, that uh, shows government. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, they should just stay away from anything with economics, honestly. Yeah. Okay, this one I enjoyed. Someone's an idiot. That's someone's oh, an idiot. Here we go. <laughs> okay, 28 years ago today, Michael Jordan won his first title, and Bob Costas made a really bad assumption. We'll ask him a question about it. So there was a lady standing next to him, and he's like, oh, you're here with your mother, and it was actually, what, his girlfriend or something like that? I think so. I think Way yeah, to go, right. Bob Costas. Yeah, I think that was Juanita Jordan that was standing next to him in the, in the visitor's locker room at the LA Forum when uh, Jordan won his first title 28 years ago. Um Bob Costas, as great as he is, and as recognized as he is, you know what? It happens to the best of us. It happens to Bob Costas. It's happened happens all the time to Joe Buck. Happens a lot even to Al Michaels. Mistakes are made. They're human, and it's nice to see that it happens to these guys at this level too. Um, these guys aren't machines. They do make mistakes. It's just the very, very good ones, the Tarikos, the Michaels of the world, they just seem to hide them better, let's say. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not a fan of Bob Costas. No, neither am I. Yeah. No, neither am I. Just... But, you know, I, I think that Tariko and Michaels are on a level about everybody else. And then, you know, Costas and a couple others are down here, and you got Joe Buck. <laughs> but they all make mistakes, folks. Don't kid yourself. Mm-hmm. Onion Sports Network at Onion Sports. St. Louis officials encourage celebrating Blues fans to just burn City down and finally end this. Well, wouldn't you do the same thing if you're if you've ever if you've <laughs> even been driven there. through St. Louis? And we could ask our friend uh, Greg. Our, our buddy Greg has a few Greg times. has because he was a big big L. A. Rams fan, center. but obviously they were in St. Louis for 13 years. Um, St. Louis, the toilet, folks. Um, East St. Louis, which is on the other side of the Mississippi River, which is actually in Illinois, per capita is the poorest and most rough roughest city, whatever yeah, you want to call it, yeah. in the whole United States. And that's just over the river to St. Louis. St. Louis, East St. Louis. It's just over the Mississippi River. St. Louis has been affected with this economic downslide in the United States for years. They have been affected more than almost any major city outside of Detroit in the United States. St. Louis has been devastated. They've lost two football teams. They lost a basketball team 100 years ago. St. Louis has really gone through a tough time. And the best and the best thing that could have happened to this team and this city and this everything would have to bring Lord Stanley's Cup home. And I believe that. That's true. I mean, St. Louis needs a total... I mean, if you're talking about remodeling, you know, or, or you know, they always talk about, uh, uh, you know, when they're rebuilding a franchise that's had a bad run and they start over by cleaning house and bringing in a bunch of new blood and draft picks... City of St. Louis needs a rebuild, and this would be a great way to do it. Um, the the people of St. Louis that have stuck through thick and thin, good on them. You guys deserve this. Enjoy it, and uh, if something gets burned down, just play stupid and look the other way. Okay, David Payne Purdom at David Purdom. Earlier this week at Superbook USA, which of course must be the Westgate, uh, a better wagered. 
$44,000 that Phil Mickelson will not finish in the top five at minus 1100 odds per at Vegas Murray. So the bigger will net $4,000 if Mickelson finishes outside the top five, which of course he did. So this guy was so confident Phil Mickelson wouldn't win or even finish in the top five that he bet 44000 to win 4000 Wow. Whoa. So whoa, that's that's somebody who doesn't like turkey tits very much. No, that's that would be almost like me if I had that kind of money right now to to make a bet like that. You bet he bets forty four grand to take home four. That that means he is so confident he's that so Phil Mickelson com- right. is not finishing the top five. Yeah, he's like, yeah, no, there's no I'll way. I'll put my money literally. I'll put my money where my yeah. mouth is. Congratulations, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Save the save the money and just know in your heart that he's not going to end up in the top <laughs> ten, buddy. Oh, that's funny. Okay, uh, not Sports Center at not Sports Center. I really like this. So they call this the progression of Knicks fans. So it's going to be five deteriorating sentences on how they've gone from optimistic to probably where the Knicks fans are now after all that's transpired the last little bit. But here we go. Start at the top. We're getting Kyrie, KD, and Zion. Let's go. Knicks dynasty on tap. That's okay. We'll get Kyrie, KD, and Anthony Davis. <laughs> Fine. We're getting KD and Anthony Davis. At least we'll get Anthony Davis. My name is Jake, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> oh, that is one of the funniest ones we've had on Free Forum Friday. Let me tell you, folks, and you've heard me say this before, so I won't go long-winded like I'm apt to do sometimes, but the New York Knicks are a joke. With the money and the resources that they have, they should be in the competition for every major player that becomes eligible to dip their bodies and their whatever into free agency. There should not be any question that the New York Knicks should be number one destination on a lot of people's wish list. I mean, look at the opportunities you have to enhance your career earnings right now. And then ultimately when your career is over, there is obviously a lot of opportunity. If you're good at what you do, look at Michael Strahan. Look what Michael Strahan has done with his career. He's more popular now than when he was winning two championships as a star defensive end for the New York Giants. The Lakers can be as dysfunctional as anybody, folks. But look, they were still able to pull off this Adrian uh, Anthony Davis trade this weekend because there's an enticement. LeBron James leaves Cleveland, thankfully, goes to L.A. What has L.A. got that LeBron wants? LeBron wants a second career in the movie and television industry. Are you going to get that in San Antonio? Are you going to get that in Houston? Hell no. You got to go to New York or LA. And New York is so, is in such a tailspin that LeBron didn't even consider New York. And they've got a billionaire owner who's too stupid to worry about where his money is going. Spend it wildly however you want. And the Knicks haven't won a championship since 1973. What's wrong with that? The New York Rangers have won one Stanley Cup championship since 1940. That was 25 years ago this season. Again, with the golf money, James Dolan's money, and all the resources they have, and the television money, they've got their own network in New York called MSG, folks. And they can't produce a winner? That says a lot right there about the New Yorks, not even the Knicks. The whole New York sports scene outside of the Yankees is dysfunctional. It really is, folks. Because again, I know this sounds repetitive, but it's the truth. 
when you have the money and resources and the ownership power that the New York-based franchises have. The Johnsons are running the Jets in the ground, but the Johnsons have more money than brains. The Mara family, not doing much better with the New York Giants, but the Mara family has got more money than brains. James Dolan, we know, as the owner of the Knicks and the uh, Rangers hockey team, we know he's got more money than brains. Why can't they take this money and make these iconic franchises winners? Because they don't know what they're doing with their money, and the people they hire are idiots. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know how they have different wines and you pair wines with certain things? Like this wine goes better with cheese and sure. this wine goes with chocolate. And, and white else. wine with, with seafood and yeah. red with red meat and all this yeah, other crap. Yeah, yeah. So they have like the general things and then they make it even more specific. Like this wine with this fish right. or whatever. Right, right. Okay. So the takeout of the takeout. Mountain Dew created a soda designed to pair with KFC's original recipe chicken. Looks like it's called Mountain Dew Sweet Lightning. Isn't that exciting? Really? Yeah, I'm not kidding. Well, I know you're not kidding, but my God, what do they expect? Oh, my God. They expect like, oh, all these people going for KFC original chicken. Pair it with this Mountain Dew Listen, Sweet Lightning. Chris and I have said this, I don't know how many times on, on Unscripted, whether it was been on Freeform Friday or just in one of our regular weekday shows. The thing that makes McDonald's successful, and a lot of people take shots at fast food restaurants because of the quality of the food. I, I don't give a damn about that. I think you're all wrong. If you order the right thing, you can get a decent meal, I believe, at a fast food restaurant. You shouldn't live on on uh, Big Macs and Quarter Pounders, but if you went for a salad and uh, a chicken sandwich, you know, there, you can eat, you know, you're not going to eat as healthy as you could, but you're not going to get, you know, totally obese if you were to hang out at McDonald's all the time. What I'm getting at is, McDonald's is, is, has survived all these years as a leader in the fast food industry since they were first originated in some city in Illinois in 1943 is where the first McDonald's was, was uh, made. But they have been able to work and they've been able to go with the times. They've, they've been very adaptable. If our burgers aren't selling very well, then maybe we some try some chicken sandwiches. If our chicken sandwiches aren't doing very well, we're going to try something else. They're very adaptable to their circumstances of today. KFC is running into that. They were the top dog, literally, in chicken for a long, long time. But now you've got Popeye's out there, and you've got Church's Chicken in the States, and they're taking some of KFC's Thunder, oh, man. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Popeye's Chicken has finally, hallelujah, made it to Canada, and I'm very appreciative because their chicken's a hell of a lot better and probably better for you. But KFC didn't do any kind of uh, work to enhance their brand. They just stayed status quo for so damn long, and now they're having to go with things like this. Um, Mountain Dew to (laughs) coincide with a new item on their menu. That's called desperation, guys, and that's why Popeyes and churches and other chicken and and Chick Fil A down in the states has got to be kicking KFC's ass. Oh yeah, Chick Fil A sure, is so popular down there. Um, Chick Fil A people, and this is the honest to God truth. When I was in Vegas about a month ago, I was driving by a Chick Fil A on a Sunday. Now, why do I make mention of that? People were sitting in a drive-through in a McDon in a uh, in a in a Chick Fil A in Vegas. And on Sundays, Chick-fil-A's are closed. 
Chick-fil-A's do not open Sunday. I know their that's owners are... That's a southern are, thing. Well, no, their owners are extremely religious. Well, but religious. that's a southern religious yeah, Baptist sure. whatever thing because Chick-fil-A originated in the deep south. I think it was Atlanta, but I'm not sure. But I know it was definitely in the deep uh, south geographic corner, the southeast corner of the United States. I know that's where it started. And they don't open on Sundays. Wow. And there were four cars. And I'm not lying when I say this because I sat there and I stopped and I was laughing at these people. Don't you idiots know that Chick-fil-A closes on Sunday and there are four cars sitting in the drive through driveway. That's funny. Okay, Deadspin at Deadspin. Cleveland Cavaliers hire Cal's Lindsey Gottlieb as assistant coach. Um, Becky Hammond, um, you are making people aware. Becky Hammond became the lead assistant this year and will now be, next year he will be, she will be, excuse me, Popovich's number one assistant because they have lost two more assistant coaches this year in San Antonio. Becky Hammond will be Greg Popovich's number one assistant next year in San Antonio. And this girl was an unbelievably successful women's college basketball coach at the University of Cal Berkeley out in the Pac-12. And she is now coming to uh, work with the new basketball coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, John Beeline, who comes to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers from the University of Michigan. So this is the wave of the future, folks. You can be a Neanderthal like me and try to you know, wrap this around your head, but this is going to be the wave of the future. You're going to see more and more successful women coaches finding their way to NBA coaching staffs. Okay, Jake Asman at Jake Asman. J.J. Watt on his wedding. It's open bar for everybody. It's the only way to make a good wedding. And then J.J. Watt at J.J. Watt responded, being from Wisconsin, I didn't even know there was another option, to be honest. That's right. Absolutely. You should have seen the shock. My wife, if I haven't told you, is of Muslim descent. She is uh, uh, Lebanese, and her family originates from downtown Beirut, Lebanon. When you go to a Lebanese wedding, there are about 600 people there, and there is no alcohol. Can you imagine how difficult that is to sit through a six-hour <laughs> ceremony and there's no beer to be had? We had to sneak out to an adjacent. The last uh, uh, Lebanese wedding I was at was up at a downtown hotel in Edmonton. There's a huge contingent of Lebanese that live in Edmonton, Alberta. And we had, on my, do- on my wife's side, obviously, we had to go to Edmonton because they're all getting married like every weekend and there's 16 of them and they all get, you know, but whatever. It's, it's such a different way of life. But for me, just like J.J. Watt, you spend thousands of dollars on a wedding and there's no booze. In Wisconsin, that's a three-day drunk. That's a three-day drunk, I'm telling you. You start on, fr- on Thursday by prepping. Friday is the rehearsal dinner. Everybody gets hammered up there. And then here comes Saturday, and that lasts into Sunday. In some cases, some cases, I'm being a bit facetious here, but sometimes the party lasts longer than the wedding in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, it is just, it is part of your right. Wisconsin is very Catholic, very, you know, very white, very Catholic. Um, you got a few Lutherans in there, but mostly, mostly uh, Catholics, and they like a good party. And that's what a wedding is. You get all of your 150 closest friends and you sit there and get hammered for three days. That's what a wedding is in Wisconsin. And I know exactly what J.J. Watt is talking about. All right. This is a brilliant headline here. The Onion at the Onion. Uh, And I hope you get the reference here. But Michael Jordan fans commemorate anniversary of remarkable 
flu Hanes commercial. Because okay, so because oh. he had the the famous flu game where the, he powered right. through. In in, so. in, in game um, is the nineteen ninety eight finals against the against the Utah Jazz in Utah game six. Uh, Michael Jordan had a well over 101, 102 degree temperature. He was throwing up, didn't make pregame warmups because he was throwing up back in the locker room, but he came out, still scored 30 some points and hit that iconic jump shot over Byron Russell to bring home their sixth championship. That's what they're talking about in regard to, uh, uh, Michael Jordan and the Haynes. Of course, he got, uh, he was famous in the '90s at the at the top of his powers for his Hanes underwear commercials. So I, I get where they're coming. Yeah, from. I, I thought that was a brilliant thing. Have you ever watched the John Wick movies at all? No, no. Okay, yeah, I was just wondering because that's uh, uh, there's a reference here. Never mind. Uh, okay, is uh, that is that Keanu Reeves? Yeah, yeah. yeah. John Wick. yeah. Okay, uh, Deadspin at Deadspin. Florida State is privatizing its athletic department to shield itself from scrutiny. Well, I think that that is becoming the wave of the future here, folks, because um, I don't know how, though, that they can get around the National Communists Against Athletes. I don't see how that they can get around by privatizing the athletic department. They still have to abide by NC2A rules. So I don't know how they're going to do this. Um, But Willie Taggart is the football coach down there. Uh, Leonard Hamilton is the basketball coach at the Tallahassee Private School. Um, they think they probably have figured out the way to, you know, out-scheme the NC2A, but I don't know how they're going to do that. It'd be very interesting to see, though, because if they are successful, I would imagine every major college sports program will do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's another Wisconsin reference, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if you really followed wrestling at all growing up or anything, but there's a local hero there named The Crusher. Um, no? no. So he just recently got his own statue in South Milwaukee. But yeah, very famous professional wrestler from back in the, I'd say, 60s and 70s or so. The Crusher. Just wondering if you uh, if I've ever heard, heard of the him. name. I don't remember ever seeing The Crusher. I remember my first exposure to wrestling was sort of like here in Calgary where they had that uh, uh, stampede wrestling. Mm-hmm. We had something like that in Wisconsin, and Mean Gene Okerlund was involved with it going way back to the 60s and 70s. What I remember about wrestling in the state of Wisconsin, that at the time we had, an, in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s, we had a really great rivalry with Dan Gable and the wrestling program at the University of Iowa. Wisconsin had some great wrestling teams at that time too, but they always got kind of second banana to, again, to Dan Gable and uh, his great teams at the University of Iowa. But I remember seeing some college wrestling probably more as a uh, more early in my young life i saw probably more college wrestling than i did obviously the professional stuff mm. yeah so yeah because it was a big deal and everyone was actually talking about how great the statue looked because it looked exactly like him where there was who was it someone got a statue a while back and it didn't look much like them at all who mm. was, was that i can't remember who that was but anyway apparently whoever made the statue just was really? unbelievable just looks exactly like him so i thought that was pretty cool but anyway uh Cameron Magruder at Scooter Magruder. If the Raptors win, do they visit Trump or Trudeau? That's a great question. Um, wow. <laughs> See, it's not interesting. Boy, that is a really great question. That one, I, 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 you know what? Off the top of my head, I think they have to visit both of them. 
Maybe. I don't think they will. I think their first move would be to Trudeau in Ottawa because of there should be some allegiance to the country of Canada because that's where they're based in. Um, that is a great question. I think ultimately, but again, and I, I'll, I'll stay steadfast in this, whether they go to either one or neither one, they do it as a team, in my opinion. They go to Washington or they go to Ottawa, and if they go, they go as a team. If uh, Kawhi Leonard decides not to go or Kyle Lowry decides not to go or Pasquale Siakam decides not to go, well, then they don't go at all. I don't like this crap, and and I, I this has really kind of hit home for me since uh, Kurt Holtby decided not to go when the uh, Braden Holtby. Braden Holtby, excuse me, Braden Holtby, the goaltender from Saskatchewan that was the netminder for the 2018 Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. He decided not to go. Um, this is where I really start. You go as you win as a team, you lose as a team, you celebrate as a team. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going all 15 players strong plus coaching staff, then I don't think any of them should go either to Ottawa or to Washington, D.C. Yeah, because I'd always go, and if I can go see Justin Trudeau, then everybody can go see Donald Trump. Correct. That, that's all I have to say Correct. about that. That's a great point. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I think you have to pay homage to the country that you call home. Yeah. And I think you also have to pay homage because, obviously, I don't think there's a, a, a Canadian right now on the Raptors team, a born and bred Canadian on the roster. So all the players are from the U.S. I think... If they do decide to visit Trudeau and Trump, they all go together. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because if I can, I've hated Justin Trudeau and his stupid dad and his stupid family as long as I've been alive. So well, if I could go there, then anybody. Folks, if you Trump. didn't know, Pierre Trudeau ruined Western Canada in the '80s, and his son is doing the same fucking thing in uh, 2019 yeah, to we, Western Canada again. Yeah, and we all saw it coming, but hopefully it ends in October. But hopefully, anyway, uh, Sports Center at Sports Center. And I love this because this guy, you can just tell, is a stupid idiot douchebag. Golden State and the NBA announced that Warriors investor Mark Stevens has been banned for a year and fined half a million dollars for pushing and directing obscene language at Kyle Lowry in Game 3. I think they should take his ownership statement. Yeah, fuck him. I think if you can't behave as a representative of the three-time, or what is it, three out of the last four years, excuse me, the defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors, if you can't you know, behave better on the sidelines than I think, no, don't suspend him. Take away his ownership stake. Take away his ring that he's, he could have won this year. Um, you know what? We are always asking our athletes to behave themselves. Well, why shouldn't we ask the same thing? And why should we have to ask the same thing to guys that are worth millions and millions of dollars and they act like yahoos on the sidelines? I'm thinking that the guy had probably a few too many cocktails before the game, and um, I, I just think that this guy shouldn't be suspended. I think that they should shri- strip him of his ownership stake in the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, this this one just made me. This just reminded me of Mike Johnson. Oh, Pete at MMA Vegas. Pete, so many stupid cunts don't know how to drive. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I almost got in an accident coming here this morning. I'm A four-way stop to me still means four cars stop. Well, I believed it was my turn to go because I was in first, and all of a sudden the guy that came fourth just decided to bypass the little stop sign, and I came about that close from getting hit this morning. Um, 
You know, the state of California years ago mandated that once you hit the age of 65, you have to take a driver's test to see if you're still, you know, cohesive enough or eligible enough to drive and, and operate a motor vehicle. I think we have to do that everywhere, guys. I really do. And not just for insurance companies and not for the first and foremost priority should be for the health of the drivers. And if you've got, and this lady that almost hit me this morning was well over 65. Um, I think we have to mandate that everywhere, whether we're on this side or the Southern side of the 49th parallel. There are too many bad drivers that come from so many different parts of the world now that don't have the same kind of driving etiquette that you should to operate a motor vehicle in a very heavy operational motor vehicle society that we're in today. And, you know, a lot of accidents could be avoided if we took some of the players that shouldn't be in the game off the roads. That's all I'm saying. And if you pass it at 65, fine. But here's an example. My dad is a terrible driver. I don't let him in the car with my daughters anymore. I mean, he can be in the car, but he ain't behind the wheel because he's terrible. But he's 82 years old. He should have to take a driver's test just to make sure that he's adequately suitable mm -hmm. to drive a motor vehicle. And if not, then you take it away. Mm -hmm. And if he gets a, a corrective pair of glasses or whatever, and, and, and they give him some suggestions as to what he's doing wrong, if he makes those corrections, test him again. And if he passes, then let him drive. But my God, we've got to do something because there's too many very poor drivers out there. And, you know, some are coming from a country where they drive on the other side of the road and it's hard to acclimate to a new side of the road. I know because I tried to drive in Japan once and I I gave the keys to the guy that I was in the car because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'm on the wrong side of the road. That's That just scared the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. I think we got to do something like that. And I hope someday, the one thing California brought to us besides wine was the rule about a driving test at 65. Yeah, it's a great idea. Dan Bilzerian at Dan Bilzerian never understood how people could watch sports without betting on it. Well, you know, we've had this discussion before, and I've heard you say that, uh, you know, and you spend a lot of your Sundays during the NFL season watching football, and for you to enjoy it, you've got to have a little action on it. Um, I don't know if I'm like that. I know at a time I was for sure, but I had a lot more money then, and I have become so fixated on just watching the Green Bay Packers that I can watch the Packers and get mad without having money on it the way they've been playing the last couple of years. Well, I can with the Oilers too. And I know you can, but I'm just saying you yourself, I've heard us on Unscripted say that you spend a lot of Sundays and you like to have a little action and you and Greg are in a pool and, yeah. and you, you guys do all that stuff. I don't do that stuff. I don't even play fantasy football, but I don't watch as much football as I used to. But if you take I, away the Packers though, like... If you took away the Packers, I think that, you know, to be honest with you, Chris, I don't know. I think I would probably watch more like the red zone in regard. Yeah, on, exactly. On, no, I, but I wouldn't watch. I wouldn't. See, I can, I can sit there and watch a physical game from start to finish, but I can only do that once a day. I can't see how you guys that sit there from like, if you have an England game here in Calgary, that can start like at nine in the morning and you get football when it's all said and done to like 10 o'clock at night. That's four games. If you, have, if you have money on it. It's right. Murder, yeah. Well, I get that. But see, A, I don't have as much money as I used to. But B, I don't have as much interest as I used to either. Well, that's what that's where betting fills the gap. Right. But see, I don't I don't have that I don't have that crave. I used to. For sure I used to. I used to I used to spend Sundays in a book down in Vegas, sit there and get hammered and watch football. 
and make bets during, you know, but I just kind of lost that over the years. And now watching the Packers infuriates me enough that, um, I don't know. I, I don't have that same, uh, I don't have that same passion for it anymore. And a lot of it obviously is monetary. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, NFL memes at NFL underscore memes. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Building the worst possible NFL quarterback. So let, they've taken a, <laughs> like attributes from all these quarterbacks yep. and added them. So we've got Kirk Cousins clutchness, oh God. Cam Newton's post game attire, <laughs> Philip Rivers pullout game. Oh, that. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay. You didn't pull out enough. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, for okay. damn sure. Lamar Jackson's accuracy, Tom Brady's mobility, RG3's knees, Nathan Peterman's decision-making. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Kyler Murray's height, Eli Manning's arm strength, and this one is a bit unfair. Aaron Rodgers' leadership. Oh, boy. Oh, Ooh, that's just, that's mean. Oh. But the rest of them are pretty legitimate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 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 you want me to guess who I think that they're... Well, no, they're just they're just trying. To, oh, like, that's that's who, okay. They're just trying to build the Got worst it. possible theoretical quarterback. Um, when you include names like Nathan Perryman on no, there, yeah, Peterman, um, yeah. I'm I'm if you're in, if you're including Nathan Perryman, where's Johnny Manziel? Um, the only thing I take uh, a bit of a deference deference to is obviously the the uh, critique of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, um, he's in the unique position of being the franchise in Green Bay. And if he is saying something derogatory to somebody, so be it. Um, at 35 years of age, the time, the, the clock is ticking. I've said this how many times. In the 27 years of great quarterback play that we've had between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and have only two Super Bowls is a waste. And I think Rodgers is realizing that the clock is ticking. And I think for him to be, ultimately, Rodgers is very conscious of his status among his peers in the National Football League. And I think with only one championship on his resume, I think that there are some guys that probably aren't as good a quarterbacks as he is, but will be higher on the list just because they have more uh, trophies in the trophy case. And that's if Aaron Rodgers is coming off as a bit of a non-leader, well, um, just think how bad the Green Bay Packers would be without him. All right, sports news and stuff at Sports News and Stuff. Benches cleared in a double-A game after a player bunted to end a no-hitter. Yeah, I and I found that appropriate, and I found that right because um, um, there was a kid that was on the mound, and he was, you know, again, one out from getting the 27 outs to complete a uh, no-hitter. Perfect game, I believe. And uh, so that's 27 batters or 26 batters, 26 outs. That's as good as you can get. Was it the last batter? I believe it was the last oh, batter. And that's, that's what so that's brutal. what triggered this because they couldn't figure this guy out. So this guy decided to go out. Oh. And I'm hoping here, I'm hoping that he didn't get a sign, you know, from the manager saying that go ahead and do this. I'm hoping that this kid did this on his own accord. Um, if the manager ordered him to do that, then we've got a lot bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Um I think that they were justified in doing that to try to put a bunt down and beat it for a base hit when the guys faced 26 batters and made all 26 of made 26 outs. That's wrong. And I would have been in that melee if I had been at that park. Yeah, that's brutal. Okay. The onion at the onion Gatorade releases new performance suppository. <laughs> it's even funnier. Cause look at this. Is it, is it in you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god 
Uh, brilliant marketing campaign by the folks <laughs> at uh, Gatorade. Um, people forget, I think, sometimes how part of sports that has been yeah. Gatorade. Gatorade was originally concocted, if you will, by students at the University of Florida back in 1965 when they had a quarterback there by the name of one Steve Superior, otherwise known as Steve Superior. He won the Heisman Trophy in 65, and that was the year that Gatorade was first brought into mainstream America. And I can't believe how, I mean, Gatorade has been drenching athletes, hydrating athletes, has been a part of athletes' lives for the last 50-some years, congratulations to them. They are like the McDonald's. They just find a way to uh, just to keep themselves at the top of their games. All right, a few more here. Uh, Kelly at Kelly in Vegas. Never changed downtown Las Vegas, and she shows has a picture of uh, the billboard, the sign at the plaza in Vegas. 50 bucks says, I don't have a gambling problem. <laughs> uh, you know, I am one of the few traditionalists I believe I still miss old Las Vegas. And what mm. I mean by old Las Vegas, Classic, yeah. I miss, and I've said this before, I miss it being something special to go to a casino. I'm not talking about you need to show up in a goddamn tuxedo, but, you know, not showing up in flip flops and a bay and a pair of ragged shorts and a, and a cutoff t-shirt. I still like classier Vegas. And obviously I wasn't around in the 50s at the heyday of Vegas when you had obviously the the Rat Pack and, and Sinatra and his boys and everybody. But I have been in Vegas where they used to have lounges and you'd have a band or a singer in the lounge and you could just sit there and listen to him or her. I like that classy kind of Vegas. That made it different than other casinos. Nowadays, and this is where I have a problem. And again, this is my age showing. But I think Chris will agree with me because Chris is a diehard vegan as well. Underneath all the muscles, Chris would like to someday, like me, I'll do it. I think Chris will too, but I think we'd both like to make Vegas our home when we're older and grayer than I already am. But there was something special. Today, when you go into an Indian casino in any of the 50 states or 11 provinces in Canada that have an Indian casino in them, it's very similar to walking nowadays into a Vegas casino. And that's what bothers me because there should be something special about Las Vegas. And that's why I think if you, you know, dressed up a little bit, made yourself look a little presentable, make it something a little bit different. Make it as a, make it as a, a destination spot, not just something to do on Tuesday night. That's kind of what I'm getting at. That's the old school in me. I also like the days, and I have been, to a 99 cent buffet in Las Vegas years and 99, years ago. 99 cents? cents and that was you know back in the 80s but and now that's 30 years but now you go to any strip casino and go in a buffet it's 30 bucks um i wish we could incorporate somehow we could incorporate some of the old vegas with what we have today if we could do that i think it would be you know and and People forget sometimes. They forget about us 55-plusers. 
we still have something to give to society. And a lot of us still have more money than the 18-year-olds and the 19-year-olds, the 21-year-olds to get into a Vegas casino. We still have money. And I think that they should probably think about that sometimes as it seemingly to me, they're trying to ease the old folks in and bring this next generation in. And that's not always 100% correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, I had a million tweets that I liked. So we're through most of them here. So I just want to do one more. And I, I had thought that maybe we did this on the last one, but I don't think so because it's from May 31st. And I don't think we've recorded since then. So let's end with this one. But someone's an idiot at someone's an idiot. There's probably a better way to describe a contest to find the best homemade beef jerky. But uh, the headline in some local newspaper, Great Northern Jerk-Off celebrates 20th anniversary with 38 entries. And look, <laughs> these people, these all these old people, they actually all are wearing shirts. Great Northern Jerk-Off. <laughs> uh, you know, you I, I would say that that would be south of the Mason-Dixon line. But when Chris said the Great Northern Jerk-Off... Um, you know what? It is so funny. One of the one of the things that I used to enjoy with uh, late night comedy in the days was when they do like Jay Leno used to do this. And even though I wasn't a big Jay Leno fan, I'm a huge and always will be. Uh, you know, I I'm in the boat still with Johnny Carson. I still think he's the greatest late night talk show host ever because Johnny could make you laugh, Johnny could make you cry. And Johnny could sit there and ask intelligent questions to any guest, regardless of if he knew anything about you or he was his one of his favorite guests of all times was Robin Williams. And the best thing that Johnny uh, Carson ever did when Robin Williams was on was just let him go. And that was for great television. I liked when they used to do headlines in regard to the screw ups, yeah. you know, that, that that would say, you know, a great uh, a great jerk off. And, and yeah, it was, you know. Uh, misprints, mistypes, typos, and the weddings, the, right? The Wiener Whackoff right. wedding, you know, and that, amazing. I thought that was funny television. I still think it would work today, even though we don't see it. But um, I, I just uh, that was funny, actually. Right? And I looked it up. Yeah, so I had a feeling, and I was right. I guess the state where this was going to be, as soon as said northern Minnesota. No, it. And I, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but it, it takes place in Conover, Wisconsin. Well, you know, we got we got our share of hillbillies in Wisconsin, let me tell you, folks. Um, we also have a large contingent around Janesville, Wisconsin, of KKK members. So we have some racists in the great state of Wisconsin. We've got a lot of bit of everything. But most of them are white and Catholic, as I said previously. But we've got a little bit of everything. And we don't, we don't discriminate against anybody in Wisconsin. You're all welcome to come in. If you enjoy winter, I've got a place for you. We've got to run on this... Uh, Freeform Friday edition of Unscripted, episode number 358. A great week. Great to be back. Great to see Chris and Martina made it back in one piece. Um, hope you said hi to your dad for me. Your dad was doing well in golf tournaments. Uh, classy individual. Um, he's back now. Um, I'm actually starting something on Wednesday this week. I'm going to... Um, we're going to try something. Um, I'm going to consult for a company here in town and get paid a base salary. And then any extra additional ba business that I bring in, um, I'm going to get compensated for that. Um, I'm going to give it a shot. This nice. company, congratulations. This company has been after me now for about three months and I held off and held off and held off because I don't think that this was up my wheelhouse, but, um, I really like the owner of the company. She happens to be 68 years old. She understands that 55-year-olds still can bring something to the table. 
She's been very fair in uh, our negotiations. And like I said, she's been going, trying to get me for three months. And I finally acquiesced. And I told her that I would give her 90 days to see if it works. Um, and at then at, at that 90 days, we review. Um, I be, if, if it works well, I'm going to get obviously a bump in salary. I'll get all my benefits. And then the, the, the creme de la creme is if it works out, I get a golf membership at a local golf uh a private golf country club here in town. So I'm hoping it works out well. I'm going to try. I'm going to give it 90 days. And that's what we've agreed upon. If it doesn't work, then we we uh, go our separate ways amicably. But I need something to do. And uh, I'm very appreciative of this opportunity. And like I said, we'll give it three months and see if it works. And uh, if not, then... Uh, and, the and you know, I was, I, was a, I was contacted by another company about two weeks ago. And I asked this company to put something in paper, put it on paper, put it on paper. I want something in writing. That's, that's what happens when you work for a lawyer as long as I did previously to this. Wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. And that's when I finally said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. She put everything in writing. And so um, I'm quite excited about it. And um, hopefully it's something that uh, uh, keeps me out of trouble for a while. And again, no harm done if, if it doesn't work. We part ways after 90 days, and so I'm pretty excited about that, and uh, hopefully uh, it works out well, but we'll still find time to do Unscripted. I guarantee that because I enjoy doing that, and from my new friends in Spain, (laughs) I'm appreciative of everything that you've done. My friends in the United States, very appreciative of everything that you've done, and uh, obviously I'm happy to see Chris, and and, uh, we'll see you probably about the same time next week. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.